We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You knew the risks when you decided to drive drunk. There could be a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But that didn't stop you, did it? You knew you could get arrested. You could incur huge legal expenses, and you could possibly even lose your job. You were well aware of the consequences of driving drunk. But one thing's for sure. You were wrong when you said it was no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message brought to you by NHTSA. We've got Evan Silva in the house. I think one of the best football writers in the game talking NFL. Actually, a fellow Northern Virginia native like myself. Evan, what's up, my man? That's right. What's up, man? It's, uh, it's good to talk to you. Uh, I'm excited to talk to some 49ers, maybe some NFL draft, whatever you want to talk about, man. I'm excited. Unfortunately, we began on a sour note Thursday morning, mm-hmm. allegations Santa Clara, California. They come out against Ruben Foster, 49ers first round pick allegedly accused of eight to ten punches to his girlfriend, dragging her around, uh, illegal assault weapons, as bad as it gets. He's had prior track records with marijuana and the incident at the Combine. I mean, those are minor now. This is the major issue. Evan, part of me, 75% of me thinks the 49ers are going to cut him. 25% mm-hmm. of me thinks they built up so much equity with Jimmy G and the finish, and they've handled things the right way, and everyone loves John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, 25% of me thinks they may take their lumps with this, take the criticism, say, Ruben Foster is this good. He's one of our first draft picks. We can't let him go. Um, if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, what would you do, and what do you think happens? I, you know, I have to put – because the, the news just came out this morning, and, of course, I read your tweets, and I read you know a bunch of really great 49ers – beat writers tweets you guys you guys have some of the the 49ers fans should be be grateful for how many great beat writers they have by the way (laughs) um some of the best guys covering the team um but i think that uh 
you know, just, I, I, it sounds really bad. I mean, you know, just, so all, all I have is the information to, uh, you know, work with that we got this morning and it sounds really bad. And I would lean toward thinking, you know, along the same lines as you, that it's more likely that they just cut ties with him. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't feel comfortable making a prediction, I guess, but what it does do is it leaves the 49ers in a bind at linebacker. I mean, I think that you were already looking at, you know, your linebacker position is maybe a need entering the draft. Uh, I think that you probably want to upgrade your weak side linebacker position. You probably want to get a, a better player in there than Malcolm Smith. And now you have question marks at weak side linebacker and middle linebacker. And those, of course, in that Seattle defense, I mean, those are positions that were manned by Bobby, that Seattle style defense you know, positions that were manned yeah. by KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, you know, two of the best players in the NFL. Can you fully execute? And then if you, you know, you look at how they built that, that Seattle style defense in Jacksonville with Telvin Smith and Miles Jack, you know, I mean, can you run the defense at the optimal level without having premier players at middle linebacker and weak side linebacker? linebacker i'm not sure so yeah. i think that it, that it it puts linebacker like a top as a top two need i think for the 49ers entering the draft yeah it's like obvious now they take roquan smith he's the safe pick he comes in there basically does the same stuff as reuben foster maybe he's even better in coverage maybe he's actually um more usable in the modern nfl where reuben foster last year this run defense really improved down the stretch they were five and zero because yes. Um, he's, he was covering really for Brock Coyle. He was playing both positions there, not only calling the mic, but just what he did in the run game, the 49ers aren't going to have next season. They're not going to be able to find a replacement unless Roquan walks in right away. Still, I've been banging the drum, Evan, out here for Harold Landry. I think a lot of the fan base has caught on. He has those edge rushing characteristics that he, he can be a seven, eight, nine, ten 10 sack, you know, Every every season you're counting on him. Where would what would you do? I mean, we'll we'll see. Let let's say Reuben Foster's cut. That's what the the decision the 49ers made. He's no longer in the picture. Putting on your John Lynch hat, Evan Silva, who you're taking at nine. Yeah, then it just comes down to a question of positional value and where do you guys where do you have the guys ranked on the board? Um, you know, would they look at a guy like Leighton Van Der Esch out of Boston College, considered to be one of the best inside linebackers in the draft? Will Roquan be, will he be there? Um, I think that he probably will. Um, you know, Harold Landry at nine, that seems early, but the value of that outside edge pass rusher, and that's absolutely something that they need to go with DeForest Buckner and Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead. They need another outside pass rusher. I think that they thought they could kind of paper that over with Elvis Dumerville, uh, you know, didn't work out like they thought it might. Uh, and they were able to easily cut ties with him, but they do need that other outside pass rusher. I think, I mean, they, they were good last year in terms of getting hits on the quarterback. They were top 10 in the NFL, but they were 27th in sacks, you know? And so they were, they showed an ability to pressure quarterbacks but they weren't finishing the deal and they need to get a finisher and Harold Landry, at least uh, in 2016 was a finisher. He battled a lot of injuries last year, but I think that he is one of the best edge, pure edge rush pass rush prospects in the draft. Yeah. I, they're in a 
really tough spot here. I'm not sure what they're going to do because look at Ruben Foster. If he's off the team, Solomon Thomas, is he more a role player than a star player that you just picked at three? So there is a all of a sudden ton of pressure on John Lynch. I think they might go the safest route. I think they might even trade down and just say, we're not exactly sure here. I mean, that, that would be kind of a, a scared move, but they like to acquire more picks. They've been good at third, fourth, fifth rounders, Trent Taylor, George Kittles, guys walked in last year and made contributions. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, if they get this pick wrong, and this guy is not a star player, this rebuild, you're trying to match the Rams now. You're trying to match an, a loaded mm-hmm. NFC. This pick is as important as possible. Um, Evan Silva with this KJ podcast. I think this defense might struggle next season unless this pick is automatically good. Mm-hmm. We're talking wild card about this team, 10-6. and six. We might have to tap the brakes. We knew Foster was going to be suspended for half the season, but uh, they, they have some holes on this team. Yeah, I think that if you go through and look at other holes that they arguably may have, both guard positions, I think, are going to be up for grabs. They have a bunch of guys who've made starts in the league. Uh, you know, they have Josh Garnett, they have Zane Beals, they have Lincoln Tomlinson, they have Jonathan Cooper. I don't think that you can look at any of those guys and be like, those guys are surefire starters. So I think that we will see them draft interior linemen. Now, Kyle Shanahan has not always been, you know, on teams that used premium selections on offensive linemen, um, but on particularly interior offensive linemen at guard. Um, but he, uh, but this is a very good class for interior offensive linemen. I mean, there are a bunch of really, really good prospects uh, that will be able to start, I think, right away, probably at guard. Uh, so I think that they will add talent there. And then cornerback. So they signed Richard Sherman. He's 30 years old and coming off a torn Achilles. They gave him pretty good money. They've been giving everybody pretty good money. They had a lot of money to spend. But I don't think that you can look at him as a sure, th- sure thing, uh, at least for the long term. Uh, and then Akella Witherspoon, I, he's a talented guy. I remember watching him a lot coming coming out of college, and he's like a, a finesse player, um, but he's big and fast and super super athletic, and I think that he fits the scheme well theoretically. And I think that Richard Sherman will be a great guy for him him to learn from. Yeah. But how confident are you in Akella Witherspoon being a starter in 2018? And then Kawan Williams, they did give money to him uh but i don't think he was a great slot corner i mean he's fine you know you can you can get by with him but i mean if you're looking to really become a a premier team you know and make a challenge at the rams and i think that they'll end up being a a great challenge for the rams either way but the rams right now look like an 11 to 13 win team and i think you just need more premier players on your roster and those are positions that i could see them upgrading i also think that running back and receiver they'll probably take players at those positions i think they'll probably be a little bit later yeah i mean let's go through the blue chippers on the roster deforest buckner richard sherman Mm -hmm. I I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, we're going to get into a big discussion about him. Outside of that, like they have some nice pieces that they're developing. Jukriski, Tart, Garcon, you're going to count on as very reliable, uh, number one, but he's just not a blue chip player going forward. He's 32 years old. So um, is Kyle putting too much faith in Garcon, Goodwin, and the weapons they have? They had the money to get Allen Robinson. A lot of the fan base was beating that drum to get weapons in here. I think Kyle is one of the best schemers and will be able to work with these guys and they'll 
try mm-hmm. and find a star receiver in round three, four, so they don't have to overpay for a, or for Odell Beckham. I think Kyle thinks he can get more value out of receivers. And the draft strategy is going to be defense round one, let Kyle try and pick some gems late. Are they putting too much faith in that strategy? It's a good question. Kyle has had the luxury of having some great receivers historically. Obviously, Julio Jones, Andre Johnson in Houston. Um, And, you know, with the Redskins, I mean, they had a lot of different guys that they used. I mean, there was a year or a couple of years where Pierre Garçon was – heavily heavily targeted but I mean they would you know in that Robert Griffin offense they'd make plays with Aldrick Robinson down the football field Um, and you know Kyle Shanahan was talking at the coach's breakfast and he was asked about this and this specific topic and he was like do you need to have uh, that alpha that Julio alpha receiver and his response was you know when you have that you want to keep them but it's not a necessity um, so they have a bunch of different guys with great skill sets. And, um, you know, you need Pierre Garçon to stay healthy, obviously. And you mentioned his age earlier. He's coming off this neck injury. I think that so far all the indications about his recovery have been positive. I loved Trent Taylor coming out uh, of Louisiana Tech where he played with Carlos Henderson. They had a couple of great slot receivers there. Uh, and I think that Trent Taylor showed us everything that we wanted to see from him as a rookie and – can totally see him as a guy taking a big step forward in year two. Uh, and then Marquise Goodwin, I mean, he was outstanding. You know, he was much better than I expected him to be, and he earned that contract extension. And then, uh, you know, Kittle, obviously, you know, he kind of slowed down as the season wore on. He did have a couple big moments uh, later in the season, but he like kind of went through periods where he was their every down tight end, and then he was sharing with, Garrett Selleck. So I wonder if he kind of kind of hit a rookie wall and they just didn't trust him to play the full snap count as a rookie, which is very common for rookie tight ends. Dude was a fifth round pick. So that's right. really high expectations to put on a guy like that. But I think that he's another guy that you could very well see taking a step forward and becoming that, that full-time tight end. And he was a great athlete. This is something that a lot of people don't know about George Kittle in terms of like his uh, cumulative, um, Sparks athletic testing coming out of Iowa. He was the best athlete of all the, of that, in that incredible tight end class that included Evan Ingram and OJ Howard and David Njoku. You know, just using spark scores, he had the highest spark score of any tight end in that class. I'm, I'm excited to see what, what he is going to do. I don't think that they need that alpha receiver, but I do think that they're going to try to supplement their receiver core with some young talent on rookie deals. Yeah, that seems to just be the strategy. Like, like I, I'd just be shocked if it was Cortland Sutton or a receiver in the first round. Right. Maybe a guard in the second round. Maybe a running back that Kyle mm-hmm. loves. But even that seems high. So mm-hmm. John Lynch kind of in a good strategy here. He has a head coach that can just develop talent on offense and doesn't need a bunch of star players there. So he can focus on defense. There'll be pressure on him there. It's time to get to Jimmy G. Been 15 minutes in this podcast. Um I think his ceiling's higher than Matt Ryan's was with Kyle Shannon in, in Atlanta. Agree. Is, yeah, I, I don't even think it's too early to say that. What are the issues going to be with him? You know, he, looking back on the film, Evan, he didn't throw the ball deep last year successfully. Mm-hmm. They had a mm-hmm. drop from Carlos High, a couple things at play there. He threw a couple interceptions. What are going to be the challenges year or two with him? I guess 
they divided the game plan up into just simple things for him instead of throwing him the whole playbook. So it'll be totally different learning the offense, but he just doesn't seem to have very many flaws. I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, so, and he wasn't playing with Pierre Garcon. He did not have Pierre Garcon. He had George Kittle during that period, mostly where George Kittle kind of just took a step back in terms of his playing time. And he had Trent Taylor down the stretch of his fifth round rookie season. And he had Marquise Goodwin, who at the time was battling a bunch of injuries late in the season. So what he was able to do with that supporting cast and their offensive line really wasn't, I mean, their, their offensive line certainly wasn't a dominant unit. Um, so his supporting cast was pretty weak and he lit it up and, you know, we, we can adjust for strength of schedule too. He lit up the bears. I know that they didn't score any touchdowns in that game, but I mean, they lived in the opposing red zone. The bears had a top 12 pass defense last year. He lit up the Jaguars. They had like a top two pass defense. Uh, and then that, in that final game against the Rams and the Rams weren't going all out in that game, but he lit them up too. And they had a great pass defense. So even adjusting for strength of schedule, um, I, I, you know, I don't know. There's no way to really spin it other than it was phenomenal. It was super promising. And now that he is going to have a better supporting cast with guys just getting healthier around him, and maybe they will, they will add uh, some upgrade, an upgrade or two on the interior offensive line. They did add Weston Richburg at center. You know, I would expect the trajectory to continue to point up for Jimmy Garoppolo. One of the most impressive things to me also for Jimmy Garoppolo was that if you go back and look at Matt Ryan, his first year under Kyle Shanahan, Matt Ryan struggled in that first year. I mean, people were talking about how overrated Matt Ryan was. And after the season, Matt Ryan admitted that he struggled with Kyle Shanahan's playbook. So Matt Ryan had a full offseason in a full season to kind of like grasp the Kyle Shanahan offense. It took him a full year. And of course in year two, Matt, Matt Ryan just exploded and uh, won NFL MVP and had by far, I think what will go down is the best season of his career. By far it has been the best season of his career to date. And so Jimmy Garoppolo was able to step in and be extremely, extremely productive and played an extremely high level, uh, even after being acquired on what Halloween or right around Halloween Unreal. at the trade deadline. So, yeah. So uh, his ability to just step in like that, uh, I think that that is super, super promising and, and continues to point toward his, what should be an upward trajectory. I mean, the NFC is absolutely ridiculous. When you think of the quarterbacks and just who has a chance to win the Super Bowl. obviously Eagles, are we ready to rule out Cowboys yet? I don't think so. I don't think the Redskins will be good enough with Alex Smith, but Aaron Rodgers hasn't been to a Super Bowl in a while. Russell Wilson hasn't been in a while. I mean, Seattle's going to be a little down, but I mean, Drew Brees, the Saints are so stacked. I, I just, the 49ers are going to be able to make a run like that this year, but if they can get a wild card, they can win a playoff game. They're going to have primetime games this year. There's going to be a whole new spotlight on this team and for a new cast of characters. Can they live up to the hype? Can can they meet it? Is there a chance that this is a disappointment seven and nine? Obviously, injuries always at play, but is there a scenario you could see the 49ers disappointing this year? So their roster definitely got better in year one of the quote unquote new regime. You know, um, if they're able to have another draft like that where they're plucking guys in the in the mid to late rounds that are contributors and potential long term building blocks like Trent Taylor and and George Kittle. Um, 
you know, and finding guys like Adrian Colbert, you know, they, they're definitely going to have continued, su- continued success uh, and they're going to get better on defense. The, the problem is that teams that it, it usually like bounces back a little bit. There's usually some regression and you really can't expect them to be able to unearth all those late round and undrafted free agent gems like they did last year. Uh, and also what helped those guys was just the fact that they had opportunity because the, the roster was so bad. Um, so they, got, they were able to get on the field because just because there weren't, you know, very good players blocking them for, from getting on the field. Um, so in year two, now the roster is a little bit better. Uh, but I think that they've shown enough promise so far that you can definitely have some faith in the organization, you know, um, and, and make, making the right decisions. It's, they, again, they, they have these certain needs and they need to get another edge pass rusher. They probably need to add talent on the interior offensive line. Um, and they need to deal with this linebacker situation. Would they go back to Navarro Bowman? Probably not. You know, that, that bridge has probably been crossed. If you look at the, or that bridge has probably been burned, but if you look <laughs> at like the free agent linebackers, the free agent linebackers that are, um, uh, that are available right now. I mean, there's nothing. So you're going to have to find your guy. Prob- your guy's probably in the draft. Other side of the coin, if this run game is a lot better with Jarek McKinnon and Weston Richburg is a mini Alex Mack and DeForest Buckner, they're calling him Depoy in the locker room there. They really think he's about to take a, oh, yeah. he's about to take a huge step, which I mean, if you watch the 49ers every week, you know how good this guy is. But the rest of the league does not understand DeForest Buckner. He could be the next interior pass rusher the NFL is talking about. If that happens, if Richard Sherman's healthy and locking everyone down, if all of a sudden Corey Toomer steps in and is serviceable, Malcolm Smith's okay, there is a scenario where this team wins a division. Um, everything would have to go right, but is there a chance they could topple the Rams? Like, What percent chance would you give the Rams – at winning um, the NFC West. I didn't like the Brandon Cooks moves. I did not like trading a first rounder for a receiver. You're going to have to pay a ton if you want. Yeah. I mean, if we were just going to go percentages, uh, you know, I'd probably go like 55 for the Rams. um, Maybe like, I don't know, about the same for the Seahawks and the 49ers. And then, you know, the Cardinals clearly down at the bottom. Um, But I think that that's where I'd have them right now you know the Seahawks obviously just whenever you have Russell Wilson you're going to be in the mix uh, but their roster has taken a lot of steps backward they're a great example of a team that crushed the draft in the undrafted free agent process for about two years and then they their luck kind of ran out and they haven't been doing that as much over the past like five years and so they've just kind of plateaued and stagnated and you look at their team on paper, and it's not that good aside from Russell Wilson. And they have a ton of question marks about injured guys, Cam Chancellor, Cl- Cliff Averill, um, their first-round pick last year, their high second-round pick, Malik McDowell. Uh, he got in, into an ATV accident, suffered severe injuries, then got arrested late last year. You know, they've They've, they're, they're at the, the wrong, the negative side of variance right now, whereas at one point it seemed like they were dominating the league, but, you know, their, their luck ran out. They, yeah. uh, they, you know, the Cardinals are clearly in the basement, and then the Rams, the Rams' pr- problem right now or their potential issue is their lack of depth. 
because they have traded a lot of draft picks away for proven veterans, and they have a ton of guys that are just on short-term deals. Uh, if they suffer, and they were the luckiest team in the NFL last year in terms of injuries, they were the healthiest team in the NFL last year. If they have some bad luck in terms of injuries, absolutely they can, you know, they they can they can come back into that the, the Seahawks and, and 49ers range. I think the Seahawks have essentially botched two drafts in a row and and mm-hmm. put themselves in a tough salary cap situation with all the success they had before. Yeah, Pete Carroll. Who knows if they go. Six and ten this year, Pete Carroll could step aside. A lot of changes coming in the NFC West. 49ers position yeah. themselves well. We all think it's going to be defense in round one. I there could be a scenario where they trade down and it's O line and everyone's talking interior, but Joe Staley is 34 years old. Trent Brown is on a contract year and might not be the ideal right tackle just because he's not quick in space. Great pass protector, but I don't know if he's Kyle Shanahan's guy in the run game. Are there tackles on the radar in the draft that you monitor? And is this a position that would shock a lot of people and the Niners might take early in the draft? I mean, I know about the front line guys. You know, I know about Mike McGlinchey. I know about Brian O'Neill. Um, you know, I know about the front line guys. But I think that, you know, I, that that's not like my area of expertise right now, like the middle round tackles and having strong opinions about them. I mean, I haven't. I haven't really watched anybody except for the frontline guys. My guess is that they will not take one of the frontline tackles. Um, and I, I would agree with the general consensus that they're going to focus on defense for a lot of the reasons that you already mentioned. Kyle Shanahan's ability to scheme uh, and you know their quarterback's ability to elevate the performance of the players around him. And just the fact that they're you know getting back um, a, a good amount of young talent. Um, but I think that they will probably focus on defense in the early rounds. But that scenario of them trading out of number nine to maybe get more shots at the board in the second and third and fourth rounds, I think that that does make a lot of sense and it comes more into play because of your uh, uncertainty regarding Ruben Foster and, I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me if they, like, took two linebackers in the draft. I mean, I think that, that is, a scenario like that is in play. I'm down on Minka Fitzpatrick. I, I see that he could be a honey badger, just a, a piece to put everywhere. Just for the 49ers scheme specifically, that Seattle scheme, Robert Sala did a good job for the first year. I don't know. Do you want to draft him and put him at outside corner? I think they're okay at nickel. Do you really need to waste a top 10 pick on a nickel back? It feels like you can get that later on. It's just not a huge position of need, whereas pass rusher, linebacker, even outside corner if you like Denzel Ward. Am I wrong to be hard on Minka? I, I saw what he played in Alabama's scheme. I just don't know if that's transferable to the NFL. Uh, I mean, I think you're being hard on him, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. You know, I think that the way that he was presented early in the process, lock top five pick. And then I, I watched him and I was like, this dude's a slot corner, you know, and look, I love slot corners and slot corners are becoming more and more valuable every single year. And I love his, like, he's a very quick twitch mover uh, in the way that he's, I mean, he can, he can break on the ball quicker than a lot of receivers that he's covering. And that's a very um, impressive trait. 
then he goes to the combine. He's like a mediocre athlete. And then you look back at a lot of Alabama defensive backs. I mean, they've been pretty hit or miss historically. A lot, some of them have battled injuries, uh, but some of them just haven't been that great. And so that is, you know, I think that's maybe another concern for him because they get coached up so well by Nick Saban. I mean, I think he's going to be a good pro. I think that he is more likely to be a Kenny Vaccaro type than a Jalen Ramsey type, though. Kenny Vaccaro, a safety slash slot corner, and Jalen Ramsey is like a full-time outside boundary corner who will match up with your number one receiver. I do not think that under any circumstance you want Minka Fitzpatrick matching up with number ones. I think that you want him playing in the slot And I think that that has value, has less value to NFL decision makers right now than a a dude who can match up with number one receivers. Denzel Ward, I'm not so sure that you want him matching up with number ones either, just because he's short. He's 5'10". I love him. I think he's much better than Micah Fitzpatrick, honestly. I mean, I think he's much better. But um, he might kind of max out as like a high-end number two corner and not a number one. Evan Silva wrapping up with him. Excellent 49ers discussion. Evan's also got amazing takes on the Browns. I want to get your thoughts on this. Why is Josh Rosen not being considered at one? Um, are they just seems like it's Darnold, Allen, all the reports. Maybe we don't believe those. I think Josh Rosen is the best quarterback in the draft and, and could be, I don't want to say Aaron Rodgers, but he just has that ability to fit the ball in windows. And uh, I, I don't know. It seems like a can't-miss guy. Why isn't Josh Rosen the consensus number one pick? Why is it Darnold, in your opinion? That's a really tough question to answer. Um, I would say I, – I guess I would start with, you know, I, and I think that we all think that the 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 idea that – Josh Rosen, Rosen questioning things or making his political beliefs uh, public, I think that we can all say, well, who cares? You know, I mean, uh, we could even spin it as a positive, but I think that NFL teams know that, or at least they, they think that they know that quarterbacks in the NFL, they want, they want robots. You know, they want a guy who lives, breathes, and eats it. And um, I think that there are some questions about whether Josh Rosen, Rosen lives, breathes and eats it um, just because he's gone public with his thoughts on, I don't know, maybe semi-controversial subjects. Yeah. I think that from a skill set standpoint, he's right there. He is definitely more polished than Sam Darnold. I'm not sure his skill set is quite as good. Um, and I certainly would think that he's a higher floor uh, option than Josh Allen, who has major, major bust risks from a statistical and a game tape standpoint. So, I, you know, I honestly don't know, but that would be my best speculation. You know, the, the Browns are probably looking for a robot, and they may not see Josh Rosen as a robot. Outstanding info, Evan. Loved having you on. We'll have to talk again post-draft to see what the Niners do, how the rest of the NFC shakes out. Appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much, Kevin. 
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family has big plans for Labor Day weekend, but our outfits aren't measuring up. Then get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's huge Labor Day sale is on now. Get 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, 50% off all tees, and 50% off all sweatshirts and hoodies for the whole family. 50% off all those styles? That's a big deal. So is this. Styles start at just six bucks at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Change of plans. We're spending the weekend at Old Navy. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 830-93. Excludes in-store clearance. Active licensed and men's package tees. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.